Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Go with me tonight to 2 Timothy 3. And um, we want to look at some things. Uh, along these lines, I, I said today, I, I, I believe this could be a series. I don't, I'm not sure, but probably will be. Uh, the importance of continuing. The importance of continuing. You know, not too long ago, uh, our pastor... Uh, ministered a series on Arkansas uh, Alive uh, on the the art of continuing, and he ministered here on a Sunday night on continuing. And uh, I heard him preach on that first about three years ago, and it's always just stuck with me, the importance of continuing. The Lord said something to me about two weeks ago, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you the whole statement. He said to me, he said, Consistency is the quality that I find most lacking in ministers' lives. And, of course, we could say believers as well. He said starting and stopping, starting and stopping are the norm, while finishing and consistency are the exception. Consistency is rare. Completion is more rare. He said, Paul, through the Holy Spirit, could have instructed Timothy on many things, but he told him to continue in the things he had learned. He went on and said, if there's no consistency, there's no completion. No completion, no reward. Good intentions are just that, intentions that are good yet they are intentions that were never followed through on. He said completion requires follow-through, commitment, and determination. In short, consistency. Consistency. I thought that, that was interesting. He said that's the quality that I find most lacking is consistency. You know, the Bible says very plainly, uh, in the book of Colossians, that the job of the local church, the job of the, of the local church pastor is to present people mature to Christ. That, that's the job. The, the goal of the Christian life is maturity. Not things, not stuff. That's all there. We talked about that over the offering. God wants you to have it, but that's not the goal. The goal is maturity. Right? The goal, the goal is to grow up. The Bible says that he wants us to grow up in all things into Christ, to be a perfectly mature person in Christ. Yes. Amen. The development, the development of my character goes a long way in the maturity that I possess spiritually. I have to, I have to develop these character the character side of my life. Yeah. Amen. Uh, uh, continuing, being consistent, deals with our character. 
It deals with our character. I was talking to somebody one time uh, uh, about the ministry and these different things and, and about licensing and ordination and these different things. And, 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 I, and I made a statement about the standards that I possess with that. And, and there, there are standards to that. Because when you license someone to minister, you're putting their, your approval on them. Right? And, 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 and you can't have any <laughs> inconsistencies, to be nice about it, going on. Because, because I'm saying I approve of that person. And when I told them the qualifications, they said, oh, so you can't be doing this. I said, no, you can't. Well, see, the easy thing is just, well, they're a nice person. Let me go ahead and license them. I mean, it's, it's not going to matter. That's the easy thing, but that's not the mature thing. That's not the character thing. I'm not working anything in that person if I just go ahead and do that, even though there's character issues. Amen. And so continuing is a character thing. It's something you decide to do. You decide to continue. You decide to push into it. Amen? 2 Timothy chapter 3, and uh, we'll start here in verse 10, and we'll read down through verse 15. Now, we'll be bouncing around and coming back to this chapter all through the, the message. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, You have fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Praise God. And he said, All that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived but notice continue thou in the things that you have learned and been assured of knowing of who you learned them and that from a child you've known the holy scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in christ jesus all scriptures given by the inspiration of god and it's profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, mature, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Hallelujah. These, these verses could have been titled, The Value of the Scriptures. The Value of the Scriptures. Amen. Paul reminded his son in the faith of the basics of his Christian faith. All right, the, the basics of his Christian faith. The first thing he told him, notice, was to continue in the things he had learned. But you continue in the things that you've learned. Notice, he said, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. That, that's evil men and imposters will wax worse and worse. Or they'll grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Amen. Well, that's, that's people in the world, but it can be. But this is people in the church. All right, these, these are people in the church. And he says they're, they're, they're going to be imposters. They're going to deceive, and they're going to be deceived. Amen. But he said, but, but you continue in what you've learned. You continue. In, in other words, that's not your focus. Your focus is continuing 
Stay steadfast. Remain. Stay hooked up to what you've learned. Amen. That, that's the key. I'll, I'll watch people, and, and, and they'll get messed up in things, and I'll tell you why they did. They didn't continue in what they learned. If you just, if you just stay with what you learned, what changed your life, you won't, you won't get messed up. The Lord told me one time, he said, you stay with your fathers and you'll stay safe. That's, that's what you got to do. And it's, and a, amen. Because a lot of that revelation that came into the earth through the people that we count as spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers, like Brother Hagen, Dr. Summerall, uh, 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 Norval Hayes, and all these people that have went on to their reward, there are things that they ministered in the earth that people are not hearing anymore. And somebody's got to come along and pick it up and say, I'm going to continue in the truth that I learned. Amen. Amen. I, I had a, 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 I went and prayed for a young lady that was uh, diagnosed with cancer. And uh, I prayed for her. And, and uh, uh, I only got to pray for her one time. Uh, I asked the family if I could come pray for her. And, and I only got to go pray for her one time. And she passed away. And, and I, was, I was praying for the family. And, and the Lord said to me, he said, you see now why I need you to cover Arkansas? He said, there are people that don't know I want to heal them. There are people that don't know it. And he said, you, you, not just me, me and, and others like us, but the point is that's our job. That's our job is to cover Arkansas with the word of faith. That's our job. There are things that we're picking up in the spirit as a church, and we're going to continue in it because that's what God's asked us to do. And so he said, there's going to be these people that are imposters. They're evil people. They're going to deceive people and they're going to be, de be deceived themselves. But he says, you, Timothy, Timothy, my son in the faith, you continue in the truth. Yes. Yes. You continue in the truth. Amen. Uh, if, if you come here to this church, we're just going to continue in the truth that we've heard. Amen. Amen. Because that, that, that's what keeps you safe. That's what matures you. Amen. I, 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 I have this uh, uh, Promise Keepers app that, that I'm a part of. And I, I don't have social media. If you do, I'm not against it. I don't, I don't have it. I don't have time for it. But that's my little bit of social media. And there's this marriage group on there. And, and they're forever calling one another sinners. Well, you know, our marriages are this and they're that because we're just broken people and we're both just sinners. And finally, you know, I don't comment, but finally I just had enough. I just had enough. I thought somebody's got to speak truth. And, and, I, and I just finally posted. I said, well, my wife and I choose to believe that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right? That we're going to make mistakes but we can forgive because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Right? We make mistakes. But, but, but when, you, when you believe that two sinners are living together, you're going to have problems because you're right. You're, right? you're just going to have problems. You've got to continue in the truth that you've heard. Glory to God. The Phillips translation says, you must go on steadily in those things. You got to go on steadily. The, the whole purpose, the whole, the whole context, and the whole concept of that word to continue means to be steadfast. To be steadfast. Amen. I had a person that was in the church when I first started the church, 
uh, uh, 25 years ago, and they went away for a few years and moved to another state, and the Lord brought them back, and of course they wanted to come back to our church, and they told me two things. They said, Pastor, they said, when I walked in the back door, you were still preaching the same thing that you were preaching 25 years ago. I said, glory to God. Amen. And then they pulled out uh, an old tape, a yellow tape. We, we had, we, back then we had tapes with bright yellow labels. Amen. And, uh, and, and they, they were showing me the tape that they were playing. And, and, and I saw the title. And I said, yeah, I preached that Sunday. They said, you sure did. Now, it wasn't the same notes. It was, it was the same subject. It wasn't the same notes. I studied it out. But here's the point. We're just going to continue in the things that we've learned. Amen. God doesn't need his people getting something new. He needs us to continue to mine all the revelation out of what we know. If I, if I, faith is an un, unfathomable subject because faith is of God. You understand? Faith is of God. It's God's faith. Anything of God is unfathomable, meaning you can't plumb the depths of it. you got to consistently be mining the revelation out of it. And you only do that by continuing. One translation says, see that you keep to the teaching you have been given. You have been given. So the key here is you stay with what you've learned. You stay with what you learned. One person told Brother Jerry, he was preaching on walking, watching your words, and a lady came up to him after church and said, you mean we got to go back to watching our words? And he said, I looked at her and said, lady, you should have never went away from watching your words. Continue in what you've learned. See, hearing is important. Staying with what you've heard is more important. I got to hear it, and then I got to stay with it. I hear it, and I got to stay with it. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Did, do you see that? I remember something that impacted my life so much is when I heard Brother Hagin say, he said, things cost what they've always cost. They cost faith. Well, that impacted my life. It imprinted my spirit. I heard that. And then I just continue in what I heard. And when God asks us to do something, I think the only thing it costs is faith. I don't think money. I think faith. If I can build my faith, I can get anything I want or need because God's behind what we do for the kingdom. God has already told this church, anything you go after for the kingdom, I'll back. Now, now, right? So, so the only thing it costs is faith. The only thing it costs in your life is faith. It's not dollar amount. Well, I'd, li- I'd like to go after that, but that's ever how much. It's not the dollar amount you're looking at. It's how long do, is it going to take me to build my faith to get to that level? That, that's, that's what it takes. And, and that's the challenge. That's, but that's continuing in the things that you've heard. That's why you watch what you say. That's why you don't look at certain things and listen to certain things. Because you're working on something in your faith arena. And you don't need any blockage. You don't need anything stopping up the movement of your faith in your life. That's why you don't listen to negative news. That's why you don't listen. Well, it's hard not to find negative news. But that's why you don't listen to things that are going to speak contrary, not just to the Word of God, but contrary to what what you know, contrary to what you know God wants you to do. Amen. Because it, it clogs up the faith channel. It clogs up the faith channel. Oh, hallelujah. 
Look, look at Hebrews chapter 2. Woo, glory. That's, that's why it shouldn't bother you when people say, oh, you're one of those faith people. You, yes, I am. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I had a guy one time, he said, well, well, what's your belief system? And I said, well, you know, for the Bible. And he said, no, I mean, if you were to say what denomination you were, what are you? I said, well, I'm Pentecostal. He said, but there's a lot of Pentecostals, uh, Assembly of God, Church of God. I mean, what are you? I said, well, what best defines me is word of faith. Oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> well, why not? I mean, it's the word of faith that we preach. Continue in what you've heard. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give now, he's talking about the steadfastness of the Word of God. And he says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Lest at any time we should let them slip. Or lest at any time we should drift away from them. We should drift away from them. You can't drift away from what you're continuing in. Right? You just, you just can't. If you're staying with it, you can't drift away from it. And that's what Paul was telling Timothy. He said, all these things are going to be going on, but here's what you do. You stay with the Word. And, and he said some other things that we're going to go back and look at, but he said, you stay with the Word. If you stay with the Word, you won't drift away. You won't drift past it. Amen. Hallelujah. One translation says, lest perhaps we drift past them. So this is the opposite of continuing, drifting past, the opposite of continuing. This individual, uh, uh, this involves a releasing of what was learned and allowing ourselves to drift away from what we knew was true. A releasing, a drifting past, drifting away from it. And, and here's the thing about drifting. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't just start believing false doctrine overnight. You drift away from the right doctrine and into false doctrine. Amen. I remember years ago, years ago, this has been 25 years ago, uh, a well-known minister uh, came out and said that he no longer believed in hell uh, he no longer believed in eternal punishment. Uh, he even made this statement. He said, the only people in hell are the people that the blood of Jesus was too weak to reach. I, 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 read, I read the statement that he made in Charisma Magazine when he made that statement. Well, I mean, that's a, a, a statement of heresy. I mean, the blood of Jesus is not too weak to reach anybody, obviously. But, you know, when you begin to investigate what happened, he went through a challenge in his life with his father, and he saw the pain that his father went through in this sickness, and he just came to this understanding that God, being loved, didn't want anybody to suffer. And so he took that from God doesn't want anybody to suffer physically to God would not then punish anybody with hell because he doesn't want anybody to suffer. And so he came to the idea there's no hell. Well, how did he get there? 
He used to be very theologically sound. How did he get there? He drifted. He didn't continue. Right? I'm going to say this again in this message. But you go by what this says, not experience. Not, Not even by what you're going through. If what you're facing tonight is contrary to what the Word says, you don't give up the Word and start believing the circumstance. That, that, that's drifting away. That gets people into problems. Amen. That, that's why people will, will, will teach and tell you that somehow God's using sickness to work something in your body because they prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. If you lay hands on 100 people and none of them get healed, it does not change the fact that God says you are healed and you were healed and that he's your healer. You stay with what the word said, else you'll drift into false doctrine. And and make no mistake about this. I, I know people that believe this. Anybody that will tell you that God's putting sickness on you, that's a false doctrine. That's false. That's heresy. That's blasphemy. God doesn't do that. You can't, you, you, you can't find that in the Scripture. And if you're continuing in the Scripture, well, but I learned so much through my sickness. But you didn't learn from the sickness. You didn't learn from the sickness. You might have learned to trust God in that time or in that hour. But God did not use the sickness to get you to trust Him. Trust is an act of my will. And if God puts a sickness on me to make me trust him, he's just violated my will. And if he violated my will, then salvation is not truly a choice. Right? And, 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 and you're drifting. That, that's why you can't even begin to think that way. You can't even allow that to come up. Well, if it's God's will to heal every time, why didn't so-and-so get healed? You go back to what the Bible says. And he healed them all. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it was his will to heal all then, it's his will to heal all now. Oh, glory be to God. Do, do, do you see that? And it's not just debating the question of healing i don't i don't do that to me there's no question about healing it's it's signed it's it's a, it's a covenant fact but here's the point if you start entertaining that you're going to drift away from the truth amen oh hallelujah i've i've talked about this before but you know i've watched this over the years and and i've watched ministers that 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 were very uh very well known uh, here recently. And uh, I remember one time uh, I heard uh, a report that this minister in the country that they were in, they were the head of the Assembly of God in that country, and they had voted that week that all of their pastors could drink alcohol within reason as long as they didn't go into excess. And when, when they said that, Right here, just in my spirit, I heard, there's going to be trouble. There's going to be problems. Amen. And, and you know, I watched a lot of the, um, I don't want to say all of them or most of them, but a lot of them that were in that, they're out of the ministry today. And, and they had many problems related to alcohol. What do you do with the Scripture that says the man of God is not to be given to wine. 
Yeah. They deleted it, didn't they? Yeah, but Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Why did he tell him that? Bad water. Parasites. You need to take a little wine. Kill the parasites in your stomach. Now, you can believe whatever you want, but I mean, that's, you come here because you expect me to know the word. I'm telling you. And when you study that out, that's what you find. Paul was not advocating drinking wine. Well, I like a glass with my meal. Why? What's the upside? I'll have people come to me and they'll say, is drinking one beer a sin? Why do you want to know? Because you're trying to get me to justify drinking a beer. I'm not going to. There are people sitting under the sound of my voice. You know what alcohol did to your life. You know God had to deliver you from it. If it was something God had to deliver you from, why would God ever give you license to go back to it? He didn't. He said, come out from among the world and be separate. Amen. Come, he, he said it's not even right to speak of the unfruitful things that they do in the darkness. He said, don't even talk about it. Don't even, don't even put your mind on it. Amen. Now, I'm not just jumping on drinking. I'm saying, how did that happen? How, how does a minister that's a global senior pastor end up in California so blind drunk that he couldn't remember how to park his car? He drifted. He drifted. He drifted. I, right? I had a friend that was teaching a men's meeting one time, and he said, man, the devil doesn't just want your pants. He wants your underwear. He, he, he wants you, right? He wants you completely. He wants you completely naked. He wants to take everything from you, right? And I did the same thing you did. I laughed. But, but, the, but the point is, that's the truth. He doesn't want to just make it a little hard on you. He wants to totally take your life away from you and take everything that you want and, and need out of your life. And the only way he can do that is if you don't continue. The person that will continue, the devil can't do anything about it. Amen. That's, that's why the Bible says resist him steadfast in the faith. You can't resist him steadfast in the faith without the word. Right? And that's why no matter what comes your way, this is what you believe. Yeah, yeah but my circumstances say different. The truth will change circumstances, but the circumstance will never change the truth. God. It just never will. The truth will change your circumstance. Oh, Glory. Do you see this? And so when, when, when you drift, when you drift, that's why if there's things you purposed in your life that you were done with, don't ever let them back. Don't ever let them back. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, look, let's go back to 2 Timothy 3. We got more to get into from here. This is important. And uh, verse uh, 14, continue in the things you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you learned them, the things you've learned and been assured of. In other words, the things that you know are true. The things you know are true. Hallelujah. You know, there are things in every one of our lives, there are things that we believe that you... 
if you threatened us with physical harm, we would not say it's not true. Because we've already seen it. When we talk about finances, I'm, there, there's absolutely no way that you could ever convince me that God will not bless you and that God will not produce a harvest with the seed sown. Our life has turned into living that way over the years. You can't convince me otherwise. You can't convince me otherwise. Amen. Why? Because I know that's true. You can't convince me God's not a healer. I've seen it too often. You're too late. You're too late. Like my dad was driving from Detroit, Michigan. He'd been up in Detroit preaching a revival. He had been there for three weeks. And he was going to be able to get home and spend a day with us and then pack and go again. And so that, that's how he was for most of my life. And, and so uh, he decided to stop on the outside outskirts of Detroit and have a meal at a steakhouse. My dad was a big red meat eater. And, and so he was there, and he had ordered a, he was, uh, actually, he was waiting to be seated, and they came to him. They said, we're completely packed. They said, we've got a, a man here that uh, doesn't have a place. He's single, and you're here alone. Would you mind if he sat with you? My dad said, no, that's fine. And he had just finished his steak and potato and, and, and was finishing his coffee. And this man sat down. They began to talk. And the man finally asked my dad, he said, what do you do? And my dad said, well, I'm an evangelist. He goes, oh, you're a revivalist. He said, well, I've never heard it called that, but yeah, I, that's what I do. And the man said, well, I'm an atheist. I don't, I don't believe in God. And my dad said, oh, I'm sorry. And the man went through all the reasons that he didn't believe in God. Well, my dad was healed during the days of the voice of healing. Elsie, uh, evangelist named Elsie Roby laid hands on him, and God healed him. Healed him of a heart condition. Healed him of problems in his in his shoulders, his bones. Uh, when he was born, he had polio and had complications with that, and was in braces. And God healed him totally. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so he began. To, this man began to talk to him, and, and finally, my dad said, "Well, now, 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 listen." He said, "You know, for you to tell me there is no God is like you telling me that I just didn't enjoy." a perfectly done steak, and a perfectly done baked potato. He said, for you to tell me there's no God, I'd have to take back the tumor on the brain, the heart condition, the problems in my body. I'd have to go back and say all of that was not taken away for you to tell me there's not a God. And he just looked at the man and he said, you're too late. You're too late. You can't convince me otherwise. Amen. That, that, and, and you know, I, I learned that bold faith growing up that God will do for you what he promised. And it only takes God a second to turn things around in your life. Amen. And when God shows up, something's going to change. You know, they, my parents didn't have all the revelation of watching our words and, and, and the different things that, that, that eventually towards the end of his life he got a hold of. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. There was something there of this bold faith that I learned that God can do anything you can believe him to do. And I've just held on to that. Amen. I've just held on to that. Because why? I know that's true. I'm persuaded of that. I'm persuaded the word works. You're persuaded the word works. It seems elementary, but that's what it comes back to over and over and over again. And I've told you about the time that the in, I was just young in the word of faith, and the enemy was battling my mind. And finally, I took my physical Bible and put it on the floor, right in the presence of my wife in our living room. And I stood up on that Bible, and I said, Here I stand, devil, on the word of God, and I'm not moving. 
Now, I don't stand on it physically anymore, but I'm still doing that spiritually. Every time a situation comes up, I, in the spirit, I'm saying, here I am, devil, on the word of God, and I'm not moving off the word. Why? I am persuaded that this is true. I'm persuaded that this is true. You can't change that. Glory. Ha-ha. That means these things that you're persuaded of. You know, Paul, Paul's the one that said, I am persuaded that neither height nor depth, nor angel nor principality, power, things present, things to come, no, nothing can separate me from the love of God. He was persuaded of that. Amen. God loves me. Hallelujah. Continue in what you know is true. You'll hear people say, well, I begin to question everything I believe. I've never questioned what I believed. Never. Be because that's why, the, the reason why is they didn't stay with what they knew was true. Hallelujah. One, one time we were, we, I, don't, I don't know if anybody's ever been through things like this, but we, man, we were going through a year. It was just one of those times that, you know, it was, it was a year that, that I had some leaders in the church wig out, <laughs> Whew. And, and, and most of my senior leadership left for whatever reason, and, and I know what the reason was, but it doesn't matter. And when they left, they took $3,000 a, a month out of the church. Oh, my goodness. And so we're believing God. We're believing God. We're standing. We're believing God for, for what God wants to do. And, and at that time, Pastor Michelle was working an outside job, working at night. And she would come to church on Sunday morning and, and sing and lead worship and minister when she needed to. I think we were having two services on Sunday morning. You were ministering one of those services. And in any event, then she would leave after the night service to drive to this night job. And one night she was going and she was listening to praise and worship and the enemy was just running his mouth about your purpose is over. Everything God's promised you isn't going to come to pass. And she was praying in the spirit and declaring the word and, and even crying. I don't know if you've ever confessed the word and cried, but I have. Amen. And, 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 and God spoke to her. Thank, thank God for our good father. And he said, listen, you got to grab a hold of that. He said, because if you start questioning where you're at, and you start questioning your circumstances, it will go all the way back to your salvation, and you'll start questioning your deliverance, and you'll start questioning your salvation. You got to get a hold of that. Boy, she got a, she got a, what's that? It's just like dominoes, and she got a hold of that, and I want you to know, it wasn't long God brought us out. It wasn't long God brought us out. I, I know I'm persuaded. I remember the night I packed her up and said, we're going to that job and telling them you're done. We're not doing this no more. We didn't even give a notice. I know that's not very nice, but we didn't even give a notice. I said, we're done. And I, and I, and I told her, I said, we're going to believe God, and God's going to do what he said he would do. God will bring us out. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. See, that, that, that's, why, that's why they begin to question everything they believe is they didn't stay with what was true. When I stay with what's true, circumstances can't move me. Hallelujah. Don't, don't mistake. Let me say it this way. Don't mistake pressure for something being wrong. It's just pressure. There's nothing wrong. 
people will go, come under pressure in their finances and they'll go, well, what's wrong here? Just pressure. Yeah, but I don't have very much at the end of the month. Well, think about this. If you looked at that not very much at the end of the month, but there was no pressure coming from anywhere, it wouldn't matter. Because your mindset would still be, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still at a plus. I'm not at a minus. But there's the pressure. Boy, that isn't very much. What are you going to do? Boy, if something came up. You know, it, isn't it interesting? The devil will never come to you and say, your house note's paid, your car note's paid, everything's taken care of. You're really doing pretty good. Right? He doesn't do that, does he? But he'll come and say, yeah, you paid everything, but boy, look, you don't have very much left. And you got every, every need met. You, now, now, God wants you to have abundance. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying, what if there was no pressure? You wouldn't feel what you felt. Pressure comes to produce a feeling. And feelings will violate your faith. Right? And, and, and you've got to stay in faith despite the feeling. I heard a preacher say something one time. And don't amen this because it's wrong. He said, he, said, he said, faith doesn't take the fear away. And I said, that's wrong because faith and fear cannot coexist. They, they, they can't, they can't, you understand what I'm saying? Faith displaces fear. And when you get into faith, it displaces fear. Peter got into fear and what happened? Fear displaced his faith. What did Jesus have to overcome or, or what did Jesus not walk in to walk on the water? He did not walk in fear. He walked in faith. It wasn't just faith that caused him to walk on the water. It was an absence of fear. He didn't fear the wind. He didn't fear the waves. He didn't fear what was going on because he was 100% in faith. He was persuaded of who he was. Glory to God. When you stay with the Word experiences can't move you. Don't, don't, don't let experiences move you. And what I mean by that, you might be experiencing something tonight that you find in the Word that, that it doesn't line up. Don't let that experience move you. It's just an experience. Experiences don't last forever. The Word lasts forever. Oh, hallelujah. Opinions can't move me. When I stay with what's true. Amen. Winds of doctrine can't move me. When I stay with what's true. Hallelujah. Amen. You know here recently we had some erroneous doctrine blow through. About different things. And people said what are you going to do about that? Nothing. It'll blow on through. It blew through about 25 years ago. Amen. You just. You just. That. <laughs> See, th there's a key there. That's the key to being in the local church. If you're not hearing it in the local church, don't worry about it. It's just the reality of it. Amen. This is a choice. Staying with what you know to be true. That's a choice. But here's the thing. The truth is the standard for the believer. That's the standard. Amen. I read something that Finnis Dake said years ago of course he when he first said it was 1949 when he wrote it in his book God's plan for man but he made the statement and it just stuck with me and I've and I've I've, I've just uh, 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 abode with this statement and he said you got to take the Bible uh, 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 literally wherever possible yeah. 
And then he made the statement. He said, if symbolic or figurative language is used, then look for the literal truth it intends to convey. Because Scripture will interpret itself. Scripture will interpret itself. You know, when I started, I'll use a simple subject. When I started studying the Word about the power of your words, it was amazing how many Scriptures I found about the power of your words. Because Scripture interprets Scripture. It's like people say, you know what? I bought a red car, and after I bought a red car, I was seeing them everywhere. Because you're looking for them now. It wasn't that, you know, like other people say that you got a red car, so you were attracting red cars. No, that's not right. This is important. Never doubt the word. Even if everything's going completely opposite of what the word says, stay with what you know to be true. This is what I know to be true. This is continuing. And I've had people come to me and say, well, I know the word says, but there's no but. There's no but. There's no but. If you know what the word says, then you know what the word says. Leave it there. Amen. Don't touch that in your mind. Well, I know what the Word says, but look at what I'm going through. That, that's not what, do, do you understand? That's what Peter was saying. Jesus, I know you told me to come, but look at the waves. Look at the wind. And what did he do? He sank, began to sink. Now, Jesus thankfully was there and rescued him. The Word will rescue you. But I, I'm, I firmly believe we don't have to go around sinking. I I firmly believe that. We're going to face winds and waves, but we're going to face them without sinking. We're going to face them without going under. Oh, glory to God. Look look, look at uh, right here, your 2 Timothy 3. Look at verse 14 again. Then he says, notice the things you've learned and been assured of. Then he says this, knowing of whom you've learned them. Knowing of whom you've learned them. Weymouth says, knowing who your teachers were. Knowing who your teachers were. Another translation says, well aware from whom you learned. The Weiss Bible says, knowing the person from whom you personally learned them. So, three things there. You continue in what you've learned, been assured of, and knowing those that you've learned them from. Having a pastor in your life is crucial where continuing is concerned. Crucial. Having a spiritual father or spiritual mother that can speak into your life is crucial where continuing is concerned. Amen. He said, you got to know, and I'll show you why in a minute. You got to know who you learn these things from. There's got to be somebody whose faith you're following. Amen. Hallelujah. Do, do you see this? When, when, when I think about certain things, I think of who I learned them from. And, and, and when I think of who I learned them from, I can look at that person and the way they walked something out, and I know if I just continue the way they continued, I'll get through it too. We have a problem in the body of Christ, and, 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 it's, and it's this. We got so many ministers and so many people that are trying to reinvent the wheel, and God has given you patterns to follow, and all you got to do is follow them. 
All you got to do is follow him. Three times in the Pauline epistles, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I've had people look at me and say, yeah, as you follow Christ. Well, I'm following Christ. I've never stopped following Christ. Your job's follow me. You got to follow Christ. But understand, you, you're following someone on the earth as you follow Christ. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you understand that? When I was sitting in, in, the, in the minister's conference, and my pastor was preaching, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to follow his faith. Now, this is before he transitioned the church. I didn't know he was going to transition the church. I had no idea or understanding or comprehension of that. And, and every time we would come to uh, Little Rock to film a television bro broadcast, uh, a series of broadcasts, we would go to church at Agape. We'd go to church at, on, on Wednesday. We'd go to the spring seminar. Uh, just loved going there and loved being a part of that. That was our pastor. Amen. But then the Lord began to center me up on what he said, follow his faith. In other words, what he learned is going to be beneficial to you. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start something on, on Monday nights. I'm just not sure when. It's going to take about six weeks. And I'm going to call it this, the garments of a father clothing the next generation. Clothing the next generation. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And, 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 and it's because I'm learning this. There are so many ministers that are trying to reinvent the wheel, and all they have to do is get the garment of their father and follow his faith. Hallelujah. Re remember when, when Elijah and Elisha were, were going together, and Elisha knew that God was going to take Elijah, and, and they went, and he said, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, Bethel, you stay here. And he said, hey, you know, as the Lord lives, I'm not going to do that. And he said, then Jericho and, and, and the Jordan, remember all of that? I don't have time to get into all of it. But he, they, they crossed the Jordan, and the whirlwind comes down, and Elijah is taken up, and it says that his mantle fell. And it says that Elisha went and picked up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. Now, I know, I know people will say, well, if, if it was his, but when he picked it up, it became his. But the Bible emphasizes that he picked up something that belonged to Elijah. I'm, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced of this. And I'm saying this for a reason. I'm convinced of this, that you got a lot of ministers, you got a lot of uh, ministers that are coming up, and they're so concerned about doing their own thing, they're not concerned about continuing what God is currently doing. And if you don't have somebody that's concerned about continuing what God wants to do in a city or in a state or in a nation or in the world, then you're going to lose something. Amen. I thank God for people like Brother Moore that have picked up the revelation that Brother Hagin taught and teaches it. When you watch Brother Keith Moore, he functions in the same anointing Brother Hagin walked in. If anybody's walking in his anointing, it's that man. He picked it up, and he's not ashamed of it. He's not trying to do something different. He's just trying to continue in what God birthed into the earth. When you look at like, like Nancy Dufresne, she's just wanting to continue what God birthed into the earth. When it, when it becomes all about what we want to do, and it becomes all about what, when do I get my shot, when do I get to advance, I'm not continuing. 
Hallelujah. Does that, does that make sense? And God's got a ministry of some fashion for everybody. And it might be outside the, the walls of the local church that you attend. It, 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 might, it, might be, it might be you pastoring your own church or doing the, your own thing. But here's what I'm trying to explain to you. If you don't understand that my primary goal, my primary function as a man of God is to pick up and continue with what's been birthed into the earth. Oh, hallelujah. When, when, when Joshua, you know... Years ago, there was a movement. They called it the Joshua Generation, if you remember that. And, it, and basically, it was this. Moses needs to get out of the way and let Joshua take the people into the promised land. They, there was only one problem with their unsound theology. And it was this, that Moses had lost his position because of disobedience. Not because he was old and not moving fast enough. Joshua never wanted that job. God had to tell him, I'll be with you. Be strong. Be courageous. Amen. Moses laid hands on him in front of the people. Isn't it interesting? When you get towards the end of Joshua's life, and he brought the people into the promised land, it says, and Joshua did all that the Lord commanded Moses. Now, now think about that. We think about Joshua. What do people usually think about Joshua? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. That's what you think. And when people talk about leaders and you put Moses and Joshua up there, they think, boy, Moses was the greatest leader ever. And Moses was the greatest leader. But the Bible says that Joshua had to finish what Moses started. Joshua had to finish it. If I want to continue, if I want to function in those highest levels that God wants me to walk in, there are things that God needs me to pick up and continue. Amen. He says, no, those people, I've never seen anyone quit who stayed close to their man or woman of God. I've never, I've never seen anyone quit that stayed close to wise counsel because they're, they're taught to continue. Oh, hallelujah. Look at, uh, right here at uh, chapter 3 and verse 10. He says, you fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, and my patience. My, one translation says, my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, and my faith. In other words, you know what I've taught. You know how I conduct my life. You know my faith. You've watched this. You've seen it. Hallelujah. My patience, my love, my steadfastness, Moffat says. In other words, my walk in the Spirit. You know my walk in the Spirit. You know how I conduct my life. Hallelujah. And then he says in verse 11, the persecutions, afflictions that came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Out of them all the Lord delivered me. So what he's saying is you watched what I went through, and you saw the Lord deliver me. This is why it's so important that you're paying attention to the people that you learned it from. Because you can watch what they went through and see God delivered them. If God delivered them, God will deliver you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I, I, I love listening to, 
to, to my pastor and other people talk about how they did things. And I've recounted this story a lot recently, how when he was in Southern California and the Lord said, I want you to go back to your hometown. I want you to go back to Little Rock and I want you to raise up a spiritual production center producing life, city, state, nation, and world. Amen. And he said, I came back, and I was looking for buildings, and I was, I was going everywhere. I was following every lead I could follow. Amen. And he, and he said, I couldn't find anything. And he said, finally, I decided I need to go buy some shampoo. And he said, when I was in, in, in California, I had went to Woolco Shopping Center and found the shampoo that I liked. And he said, they had opened a new Woolco over off John Barrow Road. And he said, so I decided to go over there. And he said, when I topped the hill... And I saw the Woolco Shopping Center. He said they had all those empty bays, and the Lord said, there's your building. Amen. And, you, and, and I've recounted that story a lot recently. And he went, and, 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 and the man said, this is what we normally get for a bay. And pastor said, that's too much. And he said, well, how much do you want to give? <laughs> and he said, it didn't really matter. At that point, I didn't have a church. I didn't have no money. So, so he told him. And, and then the man said, well, what else do you want? He said, well, I'd like some chairs. And I'd like you to build a platform for us. And the man looked at him like, is there anything else you want? Here's my point. Here's my point. I watched that. He just walked that out by faith. God said, do this. And there was no pressure. You just do what God said to do. And look what God did. God, God gave them what they needed in that place. Hallelujah. And then God supernaturally gave that 12 acres on top of Napa Valley Drive to them. And they just walked it out. Just walked it out. You know who you learned it from. Follow his faith. Well, what does that do? They, listen, if I know I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, I can follow the faith of the people that went before me. I'm not in a hurry because God will do it. My job's to look and be led. My job's to go look at property. My job's to look at buildings. And one day, figuratively speaking, I'll pop over a hill and God will say, there's your building. One day that's going to happen. You say, how do you know that? Because I'm following the faith of people that I've watched walk through something. Glory to God. I like being around people that can tell you how to live by faith and how to walk through some things and overcome some things. Amen. I get, I get nervous around people that never have never went through something. Well, now, wait a minute. You're telling me how to overcome. What have you ever overcome? At some point, you overcome. Amen. Oh, glory. He said, he said you watch what I went through. But notice, he said, out of them all, the Lord delivered me. You saw the Lord deliver me. When you watch the people who taught you the word face things and overcome them. When I was just a, a young boy growing up, this always this imprinted in my spirit. I was very young. I was maybe, maybe four, I guess. And uh, my parents pastored a church in Ashland, Ohio. And... Uh, there was a lady that went to church there, and we all called her Aunt Marie. She was nobody's aunt, but she was everybody's, everybody's aunt, but nobody's aunt, naturally. And uh, she was very close to our family. And this lady could pray heaven and earth together. I mean, just could pray heaven and earth together. 
And you'd go to her, somebody would go to her with a problem, and she'd just take their hands and she'd go, let's just pray. I can remember that. I can remember being four or five years old hearing her say that. Let's just pray. And I'd watch her pray. Man, we'd have all-night prayer meetings. And she'd be on her knees before the Lord just praying. I mean, not there just playing, praying. That imprinted my spirit at like four or five years old. And here's what it imprinted my spirit with. If I can pray, God will change things. If I can pray, God will change things. That's why you want your children in church. Brother David was talking Sunday evening, I think, about the children that are in church. And he was talking about uh, growing up in, in, in uh, the Kojic church and being there on Sunday, Sunday night as part of, part of the, the Youth Workers League. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yep. Amen. And, but but you, know, you, know, you, know what, you know what we were seeing? We were seeing the Spirit move on saints. We were seeing saints pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you understand? You want your children and grandchildren, you want them exposed to the moving of the Spirit more than you want them exposed to YouTube, more than you want them exposed to other things. You want them exposed to the things of the Spirit of God because children learn by, uh, by, by being, by being uh, influenced by things. And uh, Amen. And you, you'll see little kids raise their hands because everybody else is raising their hands. But they're learning a principle there. I remember at four or five years old, at four or five years old, I came to the understanding, if I can pray, God will hear me and change things. Amen. And that, that, that revelation from that older woman in our church is largely responsible for my prayer life today because I learned at a very, as a very young man, that, that very young boy, that if I, could, if I could pray, things would change. Amen. Hallelujah. So I, that's probably part one, but I think it's a pretty good part. Amen. Let's stand up tonight, shall we? Praise God. The Lord's good to us.